0: Thank you for coming this afternoon uh, to uh, WeatherTech's Talks. Today is Sustainable Design Trends. I'm your host, my name is Glenn Cancross. For those of you looking, um, we have this wonderful book, WeatherTech Design Trends. We're gonna be using that today as a bit of a guide to some of design trends happening around the place. Um, I will also be asking the questions. However, we have a chat line, guys. Uh, you can put the questions through there And if we have a time, I'll ask them to the panelists. If we run out, don't despair, we will email you. And if you watch the rerun and you have some questions, just send that email through to weathertext.weathertext.com.au and and we'll try and answer you. So sit back, relax. Uh, It's gonna be fairly easy. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about the guys in front of me. Um, I'll start with ladies first. So uh, Kylie has been a designer, uh, well, she is a designer uh, for really 20 years. Um, She is also a fantastic artist and not just exteriors of buildings, interiors. Um, She doesn't sleep, so she gets all this done and it turns into some creations that just blow your mind. I remember, we'll go into those a bit later. Now. with uh, Cam, Cam Raymond, he's uh, taken over the practice that he had started a fair while ago, and he has been um, doing major amounts of work. I mean, the stuff I've seen, he is also like Kylie, a member of the BDAA, and Kylie's been a, um, a, a president there of her chapter. Um, by the way, she also does fundraising for the Olivia, Olivia Newton-John Cancer Foundation, as I said, she doesn't sleep. But getting back to Cam, if you have a look at his website, and hopefully you will do it after this, the scope of work that he does is amazing. He too uh, must must not get sleep, although looking at your design, they seem very cruisy, they seem very functional. I mean, you do um, not just residential, you do apartments, you also do uh, centres for childcare centres you also do um, health centres so you've got a wide variety of work so let's get into it Um, and I just ask you to well not both together so again it's going to come back to you Kylie just in a minute or so not too much more than that because otherwise it'll hook you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started.
1: Well, how I got started. Um, I have, um, as you said, I've been doing this for 20 years. I was one of those kids who used to rip out um, pictures of houses from magazines and kept them in a box under my bed from the time I was young. And I would be up at three o'clock in the morning going, I've got the best idea for a lounge room. Um, (laughs) This was when I was in school. So I've been a little bit obsessed with buildings. ever since childhood. And so I got into it because my absolute passion is to do people's homes. And I was just saying to Cam earlier that, um, you know, it it, it is my passion just to create a space that people want to want to hide in, want to recover in, want to revive in and want to want to entertain and raise families in. So I got into it um, for for those reasons, to be able to help people have beautiful space.
0: You've got Gee whiz, you did that fairly quickly. Um, you've got some time
2: <laughs> um, um,
0: Cam, what about yourself? And and don't be shy. I mean, you have both of you have done a lot of fantastic things. Uh, tell us about how you got into it and, and what you do.
2: Um, well, I've been in the industry for just over 27 years. Um, as you said, my father, Chris Raymond, actually started Raymond Design in 1974. Um, sort of growing up I was more into art and drawing and painting and that sort of thing. Um, I'd never had a real interest in building design until he asked me once to come into the office and trace some plans. So um, I was pretty much hooked from then on and told my dad that I wanted to work for him. Um, I was 19 at the time and his response was, well, I have to get my hands dirty and I have to go back to school. So. Um, he set me up on a few job sites so I could learn about construction and how things were put together and, um, and then sort of went from there. Um, he retired about 10 years ago and I started my own business, um, but just carried on with the brand and Design name. Um, my eldest son actually now works in the business with me, so, so we've spanned three generations. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So
0: it almost runs in the genes or the woodwork.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> Uh, that's good to see.
0: Um, there's a lot of things happening with design and um, I might touch on some of those a bit later, but when when you're designing a, a home um, and a style selected, what are the factors that you guys consider or, um, and I, I'll start with Cam this time, Kylie. um is it just the client? And we'll touch a little bit later on maybe how easy it is or how hard it is to extract from the client exactly what they want. So, my question to you is, what are some of the uh, styles and the factors that would influence the styles that you select for for the particular project?
2: Yeah, okay. Um, Well, I guess the style obviously needs to fit the client vision and brief, um, but also needs to respond to the natural context of the site. So, depending on the site location, topography, and the orientation, which all affects the design that can sort of affects the degree of how challenging it's going to be. as you said, it's simple or challenging. So um, I guess the other factors are sort of orientation, solar aspect, um, looking at prevailing breezes, uh, predominant views, and also the sort of locations of adjoining buildings on other sites. I think they'll affect affect the design and and the style of the building that's sort of chosen.
0: Yeah, with a lot of the shadow factors and things you've got to take into account, which is um, really impacting in some places, uh, especially in the market that that Sydney is for a a start, you know, you're getting tighter and smaller blocks, so it's a big thing. How about you, Kylie?
1: Um, It's similar in many ways to Cam, but I also work very much um, to get into the client's emotional response to certain design styles in that um, I ask them during our, our client brief and stuff like that, uh, what type of buildings they, they personally respond to. Um, I ask them if they've, um, because I was someone who ripped out pictures, I ask them if they've got pictures or they've got you know a Pinterest account, if they've got things like that to work out what they like and what they don't like. So I take um, everything that Cam said uh, regarding site, topography, styles around them, what council will and won't allow, because if you've got covenants uh, particularly in residential design, then that can actually dictate sometimes which way your design style needs to go. But then I get I get right down to the client's individual taste and and then work back up from there as well, because they, their words may be telling me something, you know, and I'm going, oh, they, you know, this is the design style we're pursuing. But then they'll, they'll pull out a picture of something and I'll go, no, hang on, that is completely different to the to the words that I'm hearing. And so I very much take the point of view that um, you need to get both aspects because the clients may not know the jargon that we know to go all right. Mm -hmm. You know, they're saying this design style, but they actually mean this over here. So I I tend to dig, dig quite deep to go, all right, let's, where's our base. Then we come back and and put everything over the top of that regarding council orientation, shadow, of that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, I'm actually down the south coast of New South Wales, and it's a little cool today. And this house is built in, it's a, I not say what brand it is, but it was built in uh, about 1980 and has no insulation. Um, that's why I just had a quick cuppa of tea, I'm sorry, I'm a little cold here. Uh, it's got a beautiful aspect out the back and they put what they call the smoker's deck, 1.5 metres. So if you have a party, you, you've got to sing out down to the person on that side, it's, it's crazy. Things have changed. You talked about orientation and things like that. But I've just refurbed a little bit of this. And the reason I'm getting this is the next question. I put, um, I, this house, believe it or not, had mission uh, mission brown paint. It's a clink of brick double storey with um, wood panels, uh, vertical panel systems. And I just decided I'd like to brighten it up a bit. But brightening it up, I actually went to darker colors, which are really trendy at the moment. And this leads to my next question. Um, we, in our, our trend design book, we have a midnight shadow, and it's all about dark colours, modern dark colours, and how do you guys interpret this style or do you use this style uh, when designing a home? Um, as I say, I ended up doing um, wallaby, which is a grey, and ironstone around the windows and doors and things like that. So it's it's funny how it's people commented, oh, gee, you've refurbed your house, you've done this and done that. So um, I always thought colours... This, the darker colours and that probably would be a bit overbearing, but it's worked really well. So, what do you consider? Um, Kylie, we'll start with you.
1: Um, I love working with the darker colours because I love boldness, I love contrast and things like that. And I also find that the darker colours in this particular design style really, really flexible because you can contrast it with something light, you can contrast uh, different textures, materials and all of that sort of thing. So I love working with this and I do find, as you've mentioned, I find a lot of people's first reaction is, oh, that might be overbearing to have a dark colour in there. But I've personally lived in a house that I did a few years back with um, a a pitch black, um, black on black mural in my lounge room for an entire wall and it wasn't overbearing at all. And it was an experiment that I did for myself to go, all right, how do we, we get these dark colours in and make it a light, bright space? And this design style does that. It, it balances it beautifully so you can have these powerful dark colours and still feel fresh and bright and full of light in the space. And so I find that it's, it's quite a successful design style when when handled and balanced well. Yeah, I really like it.
0: Great. Um, and as I say, you're the inside and the outside, so you've got a lot of work to do. Cam, what would you like to add to that? I'm sure you have some things in.
2: Yeah, I, um, well, I guess I interpret that midnight shadow style as being sort of very geometric in shape, um, mm-hmm. with sort of clean, crisp lines and getting that minimalist sort of feel. Yeah. Um, I think it really suits, suits that. Um, That'd be the
0: simple symmetry, which we might come to later too, as well
2: yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah, well, that plays plays a big part um but as kylie said like the dark colors are a must which you know combined with other materials or landscape planting provides that real nice contrast um, with um, trends and things uh do you
0: house when we're talking about housing we're talking about australia at this moment i built a brand new house in sydney in um, uh, 19 in the 1990s and it was all about the santa fe look I remember we had terracotta everything and um, you had the wrought iron table with glass tops you had the uh, pizza uh, cooker the terracotta pizza cooker out the back you put up a a pagola but you don't dare put a roof on it because that's not the thing to do and when it rains you still got wet um and then i think in into the early 2000s it seemed to be stack stone so we do have some type of trends coming through and what? What um, this isn't on some of the questions I was going to ask you, but what do you think drives trend? Does does the mood of a nation, uh, and I asked this because I remember um, speaking to a car manufacturer and their cars uh, were particular particularly lame um, and not flash, and we asked them why, and it was during the recession, and they said, well, people don't have money to spend, and we don't. So does... For design, and I'll get to the next question, but for design, do you think that the, I mean, we talk about people at the moment, some people out jobs and things like that, or they're doing it hard, so they haven't got the cash to splash. Is that all it's about? Or is it um, something that takes off because it's fresh and new
2: somewhere and it just goes around the world?
1: Ken, you can start.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I think cost does play a bit of a role in, in that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, um, and also like new materials and products that, that come out and then it's, it's new and trendy. So people want to sort of jump on that and, and utilize them, um, yeah. I suppose from, from our point of view, you have to be careful of these sort of fly in and out design trends. You know, I try and look for design that provides a bit of a long longevity. Um, you don't know, want something that's just going to come into fashion and, and then go out again in five years as well. Um, but I think what happens is I think these days with, you know, with Pinterest and, you know, things like Arch Daily and Home Adore and House and that sort of thing. I think people are a lot more aware of design and what's out there and especially from stuff all around the world as well. So yeah, I think, I think a lot of cues can get taken from different different designs and a lot of things sort of very character driven I find now as well.
0: Yeah, sometimes uh, social media's got a lot to answer for and some of those shows that show you renovating a house within three days is crazy. But anyway, yeah. um, Kylie, do you wanna to add to that?
1: Um, look, I agree that a lot of it is media driven and you see, you see design trends come and go. Um, and you do need to be a little bit careful with that sort of thing i think what i'm seeing now though is there's a lot of design trends that um i don't know if this is the right way to put it they're able to grow legs you can work with them to create something that will have longevity and mm-hmm. i think that the you know that the simple bold colors that working with shape and things like that profiles allow yeah. that to carry through i find that for my practice people tend to come to me and if the design styles have been a little bit suppressed and the colors have been like quite neutral and things like that. People tend to come to me going, we want something different, you know, because if, if the general market is a, is a little bit more neutral, people will come to me going, can you give us something with color? You know, we yeah. need a bit of flash. Whereas then I get get the other thing, if there's strong colors like back with the terracotta and I bet there was a bit of blue in that house somewhere as well. Um, the, That's just the jacket. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, People will will then, uh, with the sort of work I do, they will come to me to go, look, we we want something a little bit different to that. We may like these these design styles as a whole, but can you work with maybe these two opposing ones and give us something that does that to individualise? And I'm finding moving forward, I think a lot more people, because they're far more educated um, because of media and because they're more aware of materials and the sustainability, they're wanting to individualise a little more.
0: Okay, well, sustainability is interesting. We we'll, might come to that a bit later, but the uh, next question I've got for you is the Go Natural design trend. Um, it's a design that's overflowing with all natural uh, materials. Raw timber is big, although I must admit, as I say, in, in the 90s, there it was fairly uh, coming into your house as well. Um, a natural, healthy, sustainable materials. Uh, I'm lucky I work for WeatherTechs. It's a sustainable product, and I get asked about what's sustainable, everything, and it's it's good to hear because also we need to do something. So what materials do you like to work with, Cam?
2: Um, Well, definitely naturally sourced and manufactured materials, um, sort of top of the list. Mm -hmm. Um, I have had a lot of success in using that WeatherTech's natural range. Right. Um, And you know, my clients really enjoy how the product weathers over time and like natural timber and also you know, they've got the flexibility to sort of leave it unfinished and totally silver off or lock in yeah. the colour at any time by clear coating it or sort of staining it, so.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Kylie?
1: Yeah, I really like this design style and I, I'm a big fan of WeatherTech Space. It gives me the option of having the natural boards, which clients love because it's like they get their final house now, but then it will morph over a couple of years and then they get a, a new final house. And people really like that approach. They love the idea, as Cam said, that we can lock something in. And because people, are, as I mentioned before, they're more educated sustainably, they're seeking products. You know, I'm getting questions now going, you know, we want products that that promote, you know, good air quality. We want products that are low maintenance. We want products that are um, sustainable. We want responsible companies. You know, is there anything Australian made? And... But that, which is one of the reasons I I love weather text because I can just go yes this this yeah let's tick all of those boxes for you and here, here's what we can do and we've got all these different looks and so with this natural design um, I think people are really wanting it as a gut reaction to how industrialised the world is they're wanting to personally come back to their homes and feel a little more in touch with nature and and you know so products like your timber like the the, the your natural boards
0: allow them to do that and, and they feel healthier.
1: Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: Cam, you want to add to that? Or? Um,
0: yeah, I know yeah, you already spoke uh,
2: it. Yeah, and I think it's really important what, what Kylie just said about feeling healthier. Um, mm. I think you've heard the term about sick buildings and, and the impact that that has on its occupants. So yeah. I think people are more aware now, um, like even I suppose when you look at um, like greenhouse gas emissions and that sort of thing. I think people don't realise that buildings that we live and work in contribute forty percent. I thought maybe forty maybe it's forty four, something yeah. like that, of greenhouse gas emissions. So it's higher than transport or industry. Yeah. Um, so making our buildings more healthy in that respect, I think is really important and
0: you know yeah, we uh, and I, I, I agree. I think most people do and that's a good point you bring up. Um, the thing too is uh, the building industry eats a lot of natural resources, a lot of water and things like that. So the cleaner we can make a building, or uh, what I mean by cleaner is um, a product that hasn't got um, a lot of uh, off gas insurance manufacturer, it's gonna last, um, it is safe to use. I mean, again, talking about all the buildings like I've, I've gone to and some around here, um, there's asbestos. Um, and with the fires in the South Coast, we've seen just a lot of that, that people wouldn't have realised, and I know it's fairly safe when it's um, in a, a flat sheet form and it's well painted. But you know, a lot of them break up and they can But anyway, that's another thing. Um, so having natural is an important thing to both of you. So then um, VOC, your volatile organic compounds, you know, in the carpets, uh, in furnishings, in in some paints. Now I know that the Australian paint companies have gone a long way to reduce that. Um, And I can think of uh, some floor covering companies that have done the same. Uh, Chemical free furniture and carpets and paint and paintings and the kitchens. And is that something, and that's obviously consideration for you, or is it something your clients come to you or you educate them? Do you feel a need that you've got to educate
1: them? Um, Whoever wants
0: to speak first, I forgot who I asked first last time. (laughs)
1: Um, For me, it's a big one because it's, Um, A, a personal personal concern of mine with health. Um, Mm. It's something that I'm getting asked for more and more because people are having more environmental illness. So they they are becoming the sick building syndrome and stuff like that. Even though they may not know that that's an issue, they're coming to me going, look, the kids have got allergies, Um, we've got Mm. asthma, we've got all of this sort of stuff. Is there something you can do with the house? And so it's quite big for me to go low or no VOCs, to educate the client because I find that they now know enough to ask questions. Um, if they don't ask me the questions, I just tell them the information going, look, here's what I recommend. And I actually have some notes on my plans around that, just going, look, these are the sort of products that, you know, low VOCs, you know, no off-gassing and all of that sort of stuff. And I've um, myself built a house that was a display house for a while that I lived in that was built with all of these products so that people could come and stand in a house that was low to no VOC and all of that sort of stuff and realise that it doesn't feel any different to, mm. to you know, that yeah. in to think that there's suddenly a mud brick and all of that sort of stuff. But it's like, no, you've got great products on the market. WeatherTex is a great one, um, great paints, all of that sort of stuff, which are going to promote health of the occupant as mm. opposed to damage their health. So I'm really big on educating my clients around that.
0: Yeah, education is so important, isn't it? Because so many people don't know what's in their house and uh, what's happening. Um, Cam, yourself?
2: Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, like, especially as the bulk of the work that I do focuses on the design of childcare centres. So mm. they have a duty of care and a moral obligation to utilise the safest materials as possible mm-hmm. and create sort of healthy environments. Yeah, um, that's, that's something really important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny that like, you mentioned carpets and it's interesting to note that um, like most wool carpets on the market are made with toxic chemicals and dyes and synthetic backing and some even have pesticides applied. So even though they're promoted as being eco-friendly and sustainable, I think you can't take anything on face value. You really need to do your own research and, yeah. you know, and I think the general public, uh, I think, are more aware of, of, um, of these things like Kylie said, but I think it's definitely up to us to sort of educate them and sort of guide them and point them in the right direction.
0: Yeah, perhaps that new car and new house smell isn't doing us any good, So, um, but it's obviously telling us something. Uh, so when you're selecting sustainable materials, um, what does a, a third-party accreditation um, make choice sure easier? Uh, we've got some, I mean, weather techs have that. Uh, um, I've got to declare that here. So the, the, the question is uh, a good question because I know that... Architects have, like doctors, you have so much coming new across, your, and designers have so much coming new across your desk all the time. So if there's a third-party accreditation that is reputable, as reputable, I should say, and you get that accreditation, does that make it easier for you?
2: Uh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's so important that it, like, in guiding you and just making that informed decision for mm-hmm. the product to use. Like, as you said, there's just so much out there. And there's a lot of imported products that I think now we're more aware that we're sort of steering away from, you know, yeah. and getting back to Australian made and that sort of thing. So I think that's going to form a really strong basis for people making decisions on, on what product to use.
0: Yeah, that's a question I wasn't going to ask. I, I've been um, been in the industry for a long time and uh, with the, the, the COVID thing and I'm not singling out one country on, or, or another, but a lot of stuff is, has been made in, in, overseas and we've relied on that. And just, uh, I know someone who does casting and he does casting for um, uh, boats um, and uh, trucks and intricate things and also for housing. And it was interesting. He had people say, hey, listen, um, just to cover my bets, I wonder, can you give me a costing and do so many of these because I can't get it overseas at the moment? And he said, well, this is the cost. And I go, that's, that's that's more than I pay now. And he said, well, do you want something that's actually going to last and it's good? All? And if you pay a little bit extra for something and you don't need to for sustainability, sustainability, I think that's, like you said, Cam's going to come more and more that it's made here, you can check on it and know what it is. And that third party accreditation, I know from doing some travel with WeatherTechs uh, throughout Asia, that they had their own green, green uh, building councils and Green Tag was one particular they recognised. What about you, Cod?
1: Oh, look, I think there's two really important things supported by third-party accreditation. The first one is that we as humans tend to take word of mouth as gospel far more than something that we've just stumbled across. And so, and and third-party accreditation comes with that because instead of just me saying this product's really great, they can actually go online and search something that's, that's got a like green tag that has nothing to do with me. And all yep. of a sudden this this creates a, a, an an impression of being reputable. And when you've got green tag, which is so, you know, it's such a solid, good system, then all of a sudden you've got that same uh, emotional response to uh, word of mouth that, that people just love. Um, the other thing that it really supports is greenwashing is a phrase that a lot of people are coming across more and more in our industry, in all sorts of industry and something being promoted as green. And that if you actually do your own research, it's really not. It's just a very clever wording on an ad or something like that. The third party mm. accreditation, um, when it's done with really reputable people, eliminates that because you can just go, no, you know, this is the real deal. And here is the information you can go and look at that is yeah. outside of me and it's outside the company supplying the product. So it helps eliminate that greenwashing, which is happening so much in our industry.
0: Yeah, it sure is. Um, I'll tell you a funny story. Um, I actually decided when I was one day, the, the washing, uh, I used to do the washing in the washing uh, with a dishwasher, but also in, in the sink and my dishwashing liquid ran out. So I thought I'd go get a green, a, a healthier one than the chemicals I saw in the one I had, because I had this bent and I'm still on it basically. Um, and I went in and I, I saw this one with the big green tick of approval. I thought that's fantastic. So I took it home, used it, it worked quite okay. But when I looked at the chemicals in, in the, on the label, it was exactly the same as the one I had. The green tick of approval was because they used recycled paper on the labelling. And so that is a good example I used for greenwashing. And it did. It sucked me in. And I'm in the industry and I should have known better. But uh, there you go. It's,
1: it's everywhere. And, like, I'm very big on the health stuff as well, as you know. And it's, um, it's absolutely everywhere. You, you need to know your products. You need to know what you're reading on your labels. And that goes for... You know, food, your cleaning products, your carpets, your, all of yeah. the, the stuff. But also it goes for your your building materials, inside and out.
0: Yeah. Mm. Actually, it must be working for you because you are a lovely glow there. You look very healthy. So there you go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, aside from sustainability um, in building materials, what are other factors that you guys would look look for in the design perspective? Um, we'll start look with Ken.
2: Um. I guess from a design perspective, I sort of, um, I would design for style, um, design for comfort, Mm -hmm. uh, design for the environment, um, design for energy efficiency, um, and even sort of design for the future, I guess, Um, you know, considering, yeah. (laughs) That's
0: a a good point. We might come back to that one, Colby.
1: Um, everything that Cam said, all of that is, is, you know, bang on, 100%. Um, one thing I really focus on, too, for housing is functionality. So, I, I, I really m- must make sure for my clients that what I'm designing functions. I want them to not have to think about their space when they're in it operating because it operates so well and mm-hmm. that I want them the materials that I choose to fit their brief, you know, aesthetically, sustainably, use-wise, how it's applied to the building and all of those things. So it's, it's, it's got to function as well as look good and tick the right boxes and stuff like that down to that really practical. If you've got kids in the backyard playing cricket and something hits the wall, what's going yeah. on? Yeah, exactly. Yep.
0: Okay, um, just getting back to your comment, Cam, in, in uh, building it so it can be added on to, as we know now, if we get a phone. You can get new apps to make it quicker, faster, brighter, whatever. You, um, and a lot of people don't think about it in the homes. Wrapping up what you said there, but also Kylie, knowing your fantastic first art house, um, which was the uh, the uh, red one that yep. you did, yep. um, where it was just like a, a work of art inside and out. You, one of the things you comment on when I saw that house is that you looked at the space that people actually needed. And by doing some clever interior things, um, you you got a a good use of space. One of my big pet hates in Australia, and it's not just me, there's a lot of people in Sydney, well, in Australia, we had the largest housing house per population anywhere else in the world. In Sydney, um, the housing stock there has 1.3 people in it. And as I said, in another seminar, I did a WeatherTech talk I did, you know, I've never seen one, 0.3 of a person but if you drive through there there's all the lights on um they probably haven't got a smart house system and it's just 1.3 people you've shown Kylie what I've seen that you can live in a smaller space what about you Cam have you had have you ever thought of that side of it or do people kick back and say oh you know bigger is best or
2: yeah I think I think there's a more more of a trend these days to sort of down downsizing is that cause got it's,
0: a, an old, sorry, is that because we're more of an aging uh, population, or is that just people doing the right
2: thing? I think it is a combination of, of that. Uh, people downsizing generally, um, when it's just you know when the kids have moved out and, and it's just them two, and they're stuck in this massive house, and you know mm-hmm. they just don't see the need for it anymore. Yep. Um, and also, I suppose you know getting into the housing market these days. Yes. Um, just the cost of it. So people yeah. actually can't afford. Most people can't afford a massive house, even though maybe they might like one. But, um, but I think if you can still design effectively in smaller spaces, um, you know, as Kylie said, making them functional, and and they're still still okay. Um, yeah,
0: I um, Kylie, I'll throw it back to you. What you you we talk about art house? What can you explain? What is an art house?
1: What is an art house? An art house is when you um, work with the principles of compact sustainable design, and that is eliminating all waste, and that's wasted space, wasted materials, wasted energy in the build, wasted time, wasted time cleaning, wasted money. You, you eliminate anything that's wasted and unnecessary. But to make it a, an art house as such, I also take an artwork that I've created, and then I theme the entire house off that one artwork. And so the, the house um, and well, while it functions, you know, beautifully as a space to live in, it, you're able to experience artistic expression through every aspect of that house. So that, that house you mentioned, um, the red one, the, the, the colour palette was red, black and white. And so throughout that entire house, everywhere you turned, there was an expression of that one artwork. Um, I mentioned before there was a black on black mural on an entire wall of the lounge room, the bedroom, there was white on white, one of the other bedrooms, there was different aspects of this artwork, your linen, your crockery, <coughs> everything is reflected as an aspect of this one artwork so that it's an everyday living, breathing experience that is mm. not overpowering but is, is, is joyous and light and easy to live in while being incredibly functional.
0: As designers, both of you, um, I'm, we let's be honest, we all have good clients who listen and maybe have a a bit of money although you don't need to get a lot of money to get good design um and you get the ones that don't want to listen uh how do you find when they come in when a person comes in are the majority of people to the majority of people that come in and see you have an idea a true idea of what they want that will work and they can afford or with the majority like i suppose all of us think i can get a lot more for less? Um, Kylie?
1: A lot of people think they can get a lot more for less. Um, it's, I think it's human nature to, and I, I work a lot with this, this idea of human nature in my design, it's human nature to go, all right, this is what I want and this is my money, so therefore they should work together. Yeah. And as you work with clients, they keep adding stuff in. To it as well. And so I am very transparent with my clients to start with. And I've, I've had some clients um, that I knocked back twice to even, to even talk to them when they told me their budget and their goals. And I just went, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And they came back twice um, before they just went, right, we've got this budget and these goals. And they went fabulous. And then they kept adding on and I went, it's, yeah. you know, as, mu- as much as I can't tell you exactly what the building's going to cost in terms of how I operate. I can tell you, we're going over, and that design style is more expensive and stuff like that. So I find most of my clients, um, they 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 have an idea of what they want, even if it's just. I had one years ago, bought me a picture of a hallway, design me a house that looks like that, and it was a white hallway. Um, But it's a matter of the designer just going, "All right, here's your budget, here's your goals, here's the gap. How do we?" try and get that together to get what you want. And sometimes you do need to be a little blunt with people just to go, mm. it's not possible. Yeah. Um, and I just had a call lately um, with some people who had come out of Sydney into rural New South Wales and they had Sydney Costings in their head and it's very different in rural New South Wales. And I had to go, you're not gonna get it. I'm really sorry. Yeah, but that's... if you could, wanted, we're willing to look at the building half the size and I can get everything into it at half the footprint then your budget's going to be workable. Mm. And they, they were great, they just went, are you talking, you know, this, this, and this, and I went, that's exactly what I'm talking, they went, fabulous, good, yes. Okay. And they've told me that they wanna work with me, but in the beginning of the phone call, they had a project in their mind that just wasn't, it wasn't attainable.
0: Okay, mm. what about you, Ken? I mean, tell us a good a good story and maybe tell us a very challenging one, it's up to you.
1: Um, yeah, I've
2: sort of traveled down both paths, I guess. Um, you just have to be honest with your clients up front and I, and then they, they sort of respect you more for that anyway, rather than sort of you sort of get led down the garden path and then, and then they, or sorry, they sort of lead you down the garden path and you sort of follow them and then you get to this point where you've got this unrealistic building that they can't afford. Yeah. And they came back and it's all your fault. So, <laughs> so then it's your job to, to pair it back and reduce the floor area and, you know yeah all the bling that you've added and all that sort of stuff and you just ended up with this bland sort of tasteless
0: yeah.
2: design, i suppose so yeah um
0: a box which we'll talk about later simple symmetry we'd have a box maybe with a skillion roof or something like
2: that. yeah well that's yeah um
0: well there's a, another a trend that comes in and, and i'm not fond of this word it's called hamptons and i just because just, i used to say look you know it's it's a weatherboard that has plantation shutters, you frame around the windows and doors and you paint it pascal colours. Wow, you know. But it's, it's still going berserk. It looks good. Um, you don't have to stick to uh, your necessarily, your whites and blues and, and things like that. Um, so we'll talk a little about the Hamptons. Um, its influence. And, and uh, it's got here, I just one of the questions the got, And the final holiday homes of Long Island, light, bright and, and beachy, how would or how has this style been adapted to Australian living? And I'll I'll let you answer that, um, Cam.
2: Okay. Um, I suppose when you when you research true Hampton style, it's it seems to be sort of totally different than than what's out there. I think it's just certain elements of it. And the word Hampton sounds really good when you're describing the style. Yeah. Um, there we go. I mean that's... Oh, I'm a be careful because that's what take tickets on it. Yeah, but um, anyway. Like, and I think that style existed before. Um, it's yeah, it's just had this Hamptons sort of
1: tie
2: to it. Yeah, it's been stamped Hamptons, but um, I'd call it more these days Australian coastal style. Um, I agree with you. You know, and I think colour choice has played a big part in adapting it for our style of living. Um, you know, very light and airy with a real cool color palette. Um, it, it is. And um, the other thing, too,
0: um, having talked to, having spoken with and um, been into so many designers, architects uh, over the years because of different products I used to market, um, one of the things I remember with an interior designer lady, I, I was going out of that industry and, and as when I was going over to Weathertex, which is just an exterior cladding. And I said, look, you know, I've just come to see you. I, have, I won't be seeing you anymore because I don't have interior products to talk to you about. And she, she goes, what are you, what are you um, promoting? And I said, well, it's a, an all-natural um, cladding. And I went on the sustainability side. And she said, why wouldn't I be interested? Do you know, as an interior designer, even the roof is a third of what you see. And I can get ideas of the colour and blah, blah, blah and the wall. And she said, and if you've got a weatherboard wall, unlike brick, well, uh, well, you can do it to brick, but you can paint it every so many years, and just the colour alone will make it look different. So I suppose that's an advantage, is that it, it, with the Hamptons, because you can change it. Is a lot easier than can brick? Not saying you can't. I mean, you could, you could bag brick, you can paint it, but
2: um, is it easier? Is that part yeah, of it? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it's being able to adapt, you know, over time, and you know, and if your tastes change, then you know you can change the look of your building. What about you, Kylie?
0: Oh, I shouldn't talk to you about paint. You
1: do. Let's go. <laughs> just give me some red paint and we're good to go. Um, I find, um, for the most part, when I'm dealing with clients, they don't particularly want to think about repainting seven to ten years down the track. That's just a horrifying thought to them. They're like, all right, I want no maintenance and I never want to touch anything again. Mm. Um, in which case, you start going, well, you know, you, you go to... You know, if you want if you want say fragments like a right bright red wall and you never want to touch it again, you're gonna have a problem. Um, you know, so I find particularly with that style, with the, the Hampton style, what I hear it referred to a lot in um particularly rural New South Wales is a Queenslander style or a coastal style, like Cam mm-hmm. said. Um and I think people want it, um because it's it, there's a familiarity there, there's a comfort. It feels a little bit holiday home, but it also feels like home as mm. opposed to super modern buildings, which are exciting and leading edge and all of that sort of stuff. The Hampson style is is a lot more, um, it's a lot more comfortable. Yeah. To go towards, I, yeah.
0: I liked it that you mentioned the Queenslander. I mean, our forefathers in the 1800s. It, uh, uh, not talking our, our Indigenous people, but our the people who been, our current housing, I suppose, is based on are going back. They built the houses up on stilts to get the air flowing underneath them. They had wide verandas because of the heat off the wall. They had, in their evenings, they had holes so you get that circulation. Wow, I'm hearing about this in the last 15 years as the new thing to do. Uh, we could learn a lot by going back to... What the original uh, settlers, or the people who had to battle new areas, um, not just um, in jobs, but the environment they're in, uh, being so harsh. It, the Hamptons, you could do that. What I, I when I, I ran our office in in Coyne, Queensland for um, five years, I loved the Queenslanders, but everybody came to Victoria and, and New South Wales wanted to build a slab. Now you guys design. Can you get around that, or is it still people just want a slab?
1: Um. People, it, oh, look, to be honest with you, it depends on the area you're in because I've worked in areas where the builders just go, no, you have to have a slab. And people just believe them. And it's just like, well, no, you don't have to have a slab. You can have it on stumps if you insulate your floor. You can have all this sort of yeah. stuff. So I think it depends on where they get their information source from early as to whether people go, I must have a slab. People getting more educated about thermal mass, but yeah. those people are starting to come in going, is it true that I hear about the slab on ground? In terms of adapting the Hampton style and that Queensland style and stuff like that to one slab, yes, you can get a similar feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but the areas I've worked in, people want the decks, they want the shutters and all of that sort of stuff. And unfortunately, when you're talking, um, you know, some of the areas I've worked in, having big wraparound decks just is not viable for sustainable you yep. know, design and solar passive design because people want these big decks with roofs on them to the north because that's what they mm-hmm. saw in Queensland. Yeah, going. That's that's not Armadale. Okay. You know, so you have to completely adapt. Give them the feel of this, but mm. with a completely different methodology.
0: Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, um, you want to add to that cam, or we go to? I've got another question, which I think is something you'd you really like. Would be the simple symmetry building style focus. Um, oh yeah. Lovely, uh, lovely shapes. Probably more parapet roofing, I suppose. Um, With the the shapes, the flawless display of design and quality, where do you draw your inspiration for this type of design?
2: Um, I've always had an admiration for modern Japanese house design.
0: Yeah, as your Um, Zen house, which is fantastic.
2: Yeah, and that that kind of just embodies that idea of simple symmetry. Mm -hmm. Um, I suppose to go right back, when I was studying architecture, I discovered a house at Mount Fuji, which was designed by a Japanese architect called... um, Satoshi Okada and the whole house was painted black and just sat so well in its natural environment. And you know, this is going back, you know, 25, 20, you know, yeah. six years ago, um, I'd never seen a black house before. Um, and that's where the little light bulb moment went off in my head and just thought, wow, you know, and I just fell in love with the simplicity of the design and how it unfolded when viewed from different aspects. Mm. Um, it just really opened my mind to design, and the buildings don't need to be complex either. Um, and it's come back into effect, hasn't it? I yeah,
0: mean, yeah. we're talking about charred finishes, charcoal finishes, and and black. Kylie, what about you?
1: Oh, I love the style. I love the symmetry and stuff like that. And I um, I tend to allow the the um, the function and layout of the floor plan to to dictate. You know in the site to dictate symmetry and balance and so I quite often start with just a pencil and paper um, just with shapes to go all right how do I how do I conceptualize really simple shapes and because that is quite often how I start then that idea of really simple symmetry just carries through on my designs Um, and then it was also fed in by the client in terms of you know, are they showing me pictures that are really articulated or are they showing me pictures that are really simple? Does their budget, can they go to something articulated? Can they? Are they going to need to really simplify, you know, the box with the skillion roof? That's what the art house was because I completely stripped everything back to go, what is the simplest, cheapest construction method I can get away with to make a beautiful architecturally designed home? And so I, I love the simple symmetry and just um the, it, it's both elegant and there's a there's a beautiful brutality to it which I think can be um, it, it's it's beautiful and simple because it is so just straight lines and you're done yeah yeah
0: it. it puts it makes the foreground and and, and the background important mm. I mean it to me it could be a way of recycling a lot of um, containers <laughs> <I> should <laughs> sorry oh, I a bad sense of humor there. Um, Alright, so we're moving on. This is a long question, so I'm going to read this one because I couldn't remember off the top of my head. So, When you think of home interiors, we generally conjure up images of beautiful furnishings, arty home decor, lavish curtains and carpeting. Cladding can also be used internally on walls um, and ceilings. How can timber cladding change the look and feel of a room and how have you used it in the past?
1: Um, with, I, for me, Adding texture on an internal wall instantly adds character because we're so used to just seeing flat plasterboard walls. And so mm. the minute you add texture, whether that's a a raw timber colour or a, a timber look that is painted, you know, if you go for like your eco groove, your, um, you know, the, you go back to the, the Queenslanders, the VJ and all this sort of stuff, you add texture, you add mood, you add character. And mm. using timber internally, um, not only do you have the health benefits and stuff with that being a a non off off gassing material, um, not, uh, sorry, a a low VOC or no VOC. It's, it instantly warms Mm. space. Even if you're using straight white, straight black, you know, and quite, quite solid colors, the texture and feel alone, you know, like the the rough sawn textures alone, they warm space. They, They breathe life into it. It sure does,
2: Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with what Kylie said. Um, but I love to continue the use of external cladding and, and sort of bring it inside
0: as well. Um, Is that the transition room from the house to the garden vice versa or
2: right inside? Yeah, it kind of achieves a real seamless look. And just, mm. as Kylie said, just gives that whole another dimension and texture you know, to the internal walls. Um, yep. And when you sort of combine it with sort of large openings um, and spaces, it helps to blur the lines between the inside and outside.
0: It sure does. Um, I was looking at a, a, a job in, uh, in, in Bali um, where the occupancy rate was, was bad, really bad. I think they were down to about 30%. And what they'd done is, is made a, a glass um, and a concrete rendered um, place for Westerners to come stay who were going to Bali for the jungle experience or the more that would And all they did was get some, well, it was actually weather text, but I wasn't going to push it, but, uh, and and just put it around. They did a really good job on that where their um, their dining, or their, their restaurant was, I must say. Um, and they just put, they just closed in some columns and things with um, wood. And whether it was just because it was new and, and it got promoted, but uh, their occupancy rate went something from about 30 to 80%. And I also know when I was going through Mumbai, everything was dusty glass um, render and uh, a lot of people up to the mountain about an hour up into the highlands and they're all using natural rock, um, wood because they've lost that warmth. Um, And i saw it again and again in places where traditionally they'd used wood and they've gone to what I'd say Western design. Um, I think a lot of it in, in the past was because of strong winds and typhoons. And they thought, well, you know, brick will be better. But the wooden structures they had were very basic anyway. And it's amazing how humans just sort of like it. And anyway, I won't ramble on about that. Um, so with the interiors, uh, it, it's becoming very big. And the texture, Kylie, you mentioned that. I've got to laugh. Um, there's some of the first home buyer homes uh, can be turned out, as you know, in mass numbers, uh, at a very good cost just so people can enter the marketplace which tends to make you think they're they're, they're younger in their um, marriage relationship. And I was amazed, I was talking to somehow how they wanted texture on the wall for something that was interesting in their bedroom. And I, I don't know if you find that funny, but it lost it on me. Um, but it just seemed to be something that I thought about it. Yeah, and exactly what you said with the plaster. Plaster's great, you can get uh, plaster moldings and things like that, but we're probably going back to Fed Designs and other designs like that too. So, um, some of the, that 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 some of that's been some of the questions that come through. Um, we've we've only got around um, oh well, actually we've got a good um, eight nine minutes to go. So I have got another question that we wanted to ask you, and I think you've already mentioned it. Uh, it was um, how long have you been using uh, WeatherTech's? Um, uh, what of the product range would have you used? Uh, And as you know, with WeatherTex, a lot of the product is all the same thickness, so you don't have to change your window reveals and things like that, but you can have all these different looks. Um, Have you been using for a while? I I know, Kylie, you have, I'm not too sure, Ken.
2: Yeah, I've been using it for as long as I can remember. Um, I just like the versatility of the product. Um, You know, you've got a range of, of different profiles that you can apply to any sort of style of design as well. And given that they're all the same thickness, um, you can pretty much sort of, you know, join them, um, join them to match yeah. one another. So, you know, it's, it's, really, you run it's really easy to sort of mix, mix of different, different profiles. Um, I suppose the other thing for me is that they're 100% natural and have a better than zero sort of carbon footprint. Connie?
1: Oh, I was just thinking about that while Ken was talking in terms of how long I've been using it. And I suspect I... Probably when
0: a really good-looking dude came and saw you in 2005.
1: (laughs) Well, I I was wondering where I came across it. And it was quite possibly originally at a a Building Designers Association conference where I came across it. And I've been hanging around that for like 12 years now. So yeah and, every, and and then when when I very first came across it, I was just like, Ah, this is a really cool product, and so I've always you know um kept it in mind and used it, and when I talk to clients, it's like you know and they come to me and they go, We want this particular product I'm like, no, 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 there's another company that does something that looks the same you want to you want to look at this this company and um so it is something that I have been promoting for quite some time because i just I just believe that it it ticks so many boxes, okay. Um, yeah, well, that's and, good. and also the, how quickly it's able to be installed is a big one.
0: With what we've talked about, I mean, um, the simple symmetry, If is it still a case where you need to have three different uh, cladding on your house, otherwise you're a poor person? I remember when we first, you know, we had, a, we had one of those old, um, what they call them, Californian bungalows build up the wall for the soldiers returning, and it was all brick. And I remember down the end of the road was a couple of old weatherboards, boards and my parents, oh, well, they didn't have a lot of money. Now, if you haven't, it seems, if you don't have at least three different textures or, or different cladding on your, your house, um, you're sort of down the pecking order of, um, of housing. Is that the case that you still see? I,
1: I am, having recently moved to Melbourne, I'm, um, I, I walk a lot and what I'm seeing is in the area where I am, I've seen houses with, at six to eight different types of claddings on them. And while mm. it's fascinating visually and you are just look at it's like, oh, oh, this sort of stuff, I am very, very um, keen and attracted to the visual simplicity of even just one cladding done well with a beautiful profile and a beautiful mm. shape on the building. Um, and so I think that while people really, um, think that, you know, lots of claddings means you've got lots of money and prestige something incredibly simple done beautifully it it just completely stands out within its own right
2: Mm. what about you ken yeah yeah i agree um i'm a firm believer in the kiss principle yeah just keep it simple um i think you can throw too much at a building and just overcomplicate it and then you just end up with a bit of a mess um mixed materials can be done very well as long as you find that balance between what you're yes. using. Um, yeah, but um, like I used, on the Zen House, I used that WeatherTech 150 Smooth, sort of right through. I even used it internally. Um, and wow. then the other material I used was basic raw FC sheet. Um, so, and that was really just to, from the ground floor to the upper floor, just to find a bit of a contrast and have a bit of a difference in materials that
0: yeah, I must say, I I'm, I'm sort of really like uh, vertically run cladding at the moment. Um, is it true that the vertically run cladding makes it look slimmer and if you run a horizontally like girl, ladies' dresses, it makes it look a bit bigger? Is that true or it's just me imagining that?
1: Um, for me, I think that it, it's, it's hard to say. There's a lot of factors that go into that, including the light, the shape of the space, what else is going in front of it, all of those sorts of things. So I don't think there's a hard and fast rule. Okay. That one.
0: Well, we haven't got much time, so I want your opinion, guys. What new trends do you see emerging in the Australian market, for, for say residential or even light commercial?
1: Um, I'm seeing a lot of the, you know, the the, um, the midnight that that style we discussed to start with. I'm seeing a lot of that happening yeah. at the moment. So, what I'm now Uh, starting to hear discussions about and stuff like that with these multi-articulated facades with all these different materials. It's really, really popular right now. What I'm starting to see is people just start to pare that back a little bit. They're wanting something a bit different. They're wanting something a little bit simpler. So they're starting just to pull back to simplify um, those facades and, and just work with a bit more elegance and um, that symmetry as opposed to just throwing as much at the front and, and, the, and the sides of the building as we can.
0: Great. Well, Cam, you got a minute or two. Yep. Tell people looking out there who might want to come to a designer and say, hey, what do I do? What should they have down pat before they actually get to the, going
2: into someone to design their home? What should uh, they know?" I think just a basic basic brief will help. Um, these days it's easier to interpret people's vision because there's so much out there in the media so I often just say just give me as many pictures you know of what you like mm-hmm. uh, so I can sort of delve into your mind and get a bit of an idea of what, of what you like as Kylie said before it's like interpreting what sometimes what people say and what they actually have got in their head is, is sometimes like two totally different things so so
0: but are they best to say I want three bedrooms, one study, two garages, blah, 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 and these are the pictures I like. Is that how they should do it?
2: Yeah, yeah, pretty much, I think. Um, okay. um, I can sort of interpret from what you said, like three bedrooms, kitchen, garage, because it's basically the norm, but I sort of need to ask them about how they function daily in their house and, and that sort of thing and what works for them and, and that sort of thing. All right, well, look, um, it's been
0: really good. I appreciate, we appreciate the time that you put in today. Uh, Kylie Mitchell, thank you very much. Thank you, Um, And Cam Raymond from Raymond Design, thank
2: you.